0: Hello and welcome to the Boss Up podcast. I'm your host Emily Aries and today I am so excited to continue our new series spotlighting women in the Bossed Up community who have Bossed Up in their own lives and careers in a really specific way that also earned them a spot in my forthcoming book, Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. And today, I'm so excited for you to meet Emma. Emma's been a longtime Bossed Up supporter ever since she attended Bossed Up Bootcamp way back in 2015 now, which really doesn't feel like that long ago, but it's Four years ago this year, which is wild. And ever since boot camp, as Emma and I have kept in touch, I have seen Emma not only transform her career, but really transform her mindset. And that's why her story ended up in the first full chapter of my book, all about something I call the martyrdom mindset, which is something I describe in my book as a psychological one two punch that combines all the baggage of female gender roles with the Protestant work ethic that's woven into the fabric of our nation. I go on to say in this chapter that that work ethic, for better or worse, connects people's worth with their work. The Puritans who landed on Plymouth Rock back in the day believed that a good person is a productive person, and leisure time was seen as evil. Literally. Have you ever heard the saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop? Guess where that saying originated? Today's martyrdom mindset, in its simplest form, is the underlying belief that success requires suffering. It requires sacrificing yourself for others. Inversely, it's also the belief that success achieved without suffering is somehow cheap or shallow. Think about it. Do you fundamentally believe that to be true? I go on in this chapter to really describe how I struggled with the martyrdom mindset, how so many women I know struggle with it too, in all the ways that it makes us feel like in order to do good, I cannot possibly do well. Well, today on the podcast, I am thrilled and honored to be joined by Emma Blocksberg Fire Ovid. Also lovingly known to our community members as Emma BF. You may have seen her comment in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook if you're part of our squad there. But Emma BF is a longtime Bossed Up community member, a Bossed Up Boot Camp veteran, and has transformed her career by first transforming her mindset when it comes to no longer martyring yourself for your career and instead setting yourself up on a path for sustainable success. Today, Emma is a Salesforce consultant and a nonprofit technology enthusiast who is joining us from her home in Washington, D.C. Emma, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am just so excited to be here. So what did that look like when you were busting your butt in your nonprofit job? What would it entail and what was your life like?
1: It was pretty great for most of it. I mean. I was very proud of how quickly I climbed the ladder. So I started off in an administrative assistant role out of college, making about $30,000. I had student loan debts. I am a master budgeter and tried to make it work. Year after year, I'm busting my butt, right? And I'm getting further in terms of title. So I climbed the rung. I kept getting promotions year after year, rising to program coordinator, moving jobs then to in a program manager role. And I ended up in a director level position serving on senior leadership at a local college access and mentoring organization. And that was validating and thrilling for the most part. But I also quickly became exposed to a lot of toxicity and political underpinnings of the management teams that I was a part of.
0: You were a young woman, Mm -hmm. it sounds like, in a senior leadership role, having risen in the ranks. What was the tension there? I mean, were you surrounded by other supportive women who lifted as they climbed? (laughs) For
1: very slim parts of it, I was. (laughs) Now, I had mentors along the way, but by and large, they were not the people I was reporting to. There was one person in particular who I'll share more about how he was a part of my transition, but I was the youngest person wherever I went. And I was shocked as I climbed the ladder, how many more feelings... And honestly, ego sat at the top of so many organizations, which I know you and I have talked about that you'll climb and climb and be an honest person and do your due diligence to lift as you climb and do what's really right for the organizations you see. And then sometimes you get to the top and you look around and you're like, these are not my values. This is not my style of leadership. I think it's Michelle
0: Obama put it in her recent book. She's like, I've been in all those tables. I've been in all those rooms.
1: They're not that smart. Right? (laughs) I'm like, why does no one talk about that in college? You know? I know. (laughs) Well, because we all buy
0: into the meritocracy myth. We all buy into this idea that everyone at the top must have earned their way. Mm -hmm. And if we truly believe that... It blinds us to systemic injustices that keep really talented people from ascending to the highest ranks in leadership. And it's a rude awakening. And then you get there and there's a million microaggressions to deal with. So it's exhausting. You know, it just detracts from your own sense of agency over your life and why a lot of us get into cause-oriented work, which is the purpose that you're trying to pursue. And the purpose sometimes takes a whole lot of paperwork, right? There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of other-ish to deal with when pursuing your career than the work itself that might have motivated you to get in it to begin with. Right. So were you feeling compensated at the time? Were you feeling appreciated in that leadership
1: position? In the moment, I think I was doing what I knew how to do. And this is where we start coming into this martyrdom complex because it was yeah. right before I went into that director role that I attended Boot Bootcamp. And it was... After boot camp that I really started to look back on my previous jobs and my previous conversations with employers that I yeah. realized how much I had been screwed. <laughs> <laughs> sure,
0: that's a word for it. Yeah. Underpaid, low-balled, undervalued, totally.
1: Looking back, I did not know how to advocate for myself. And there were some really toxic conversations that I had had, and toxic situations I had been in. Where at the time, one person even recommended, "Like, do you need an employment lawyer?" And in my head, I was like, wow. "No, wait, what you what you talk about? I'm good." So, what happened after boot camp? Then, so after boot camp, I really got clear on how to CYA, cover your ass. Yes. Before, I love it. during, and after conversations of asking for more compensation. Yeah. And that played out really well in the job that I was in and in negotiating my salary when I finally left the nonprofit sector, not full time, but I'm still connected to the sector to go work sure. for a technology company.
0: I feel like the martyrdom mindset tells us, as women especially, but really as all people who want to do good in this world, that your worth is measured by how much you sacrifice, how much you contribute, how much you perform and please others. And there's this Protestant work ethic that's wrapped into gender roles that leaves us with this real lovely package deal of believing that you are your worthiness is first and foremost measured by how hard you work that's classic protestant work ethic baggage that we've been carrying <laughs> around for the last 200 years as a nation it's very part of our unique american psyche i believe and then on top of that we have all these messages that being a good nice lady means being selfless, means being nurturing, caring, and never selfish. And when those two forces combine, that would leave me struggling to articulate and advocate what I want, especially when it comes to money. God forbid it should contradict who I believe myself to be. So your whole identity is wrapped up as I'm Emma, the sociology major, the non-profiteer. I am in this to be good. I'm in this to serve others. I'm in this to be a part of good, hard work. How the hell did you get around that mentally to go back after boot camp and say, okay, I'm about to ask for a raise. I'm about to ask to be compensated for all the promotions I've been getting and for the director level work I'm doing. How did you get there mentally?
1: Oh my gosh, it felt like a million steps. And I felt like every step I took, even though it was terrifying, it was like I was lifting, I had been carrying this really heavy backpack of all of this, what you're talking about. And I think the biggest blocker for me was how I saw my age being perceived by leadership and I know you've talked about this on the podcast and you talk about it a lot but that was to me my biggest blocker is people told me that I wasn't worth the amount I was asking for because I did not have the same numbers of years of experience or right. the higher education credentials which I knew to be important but not sure. enough of a blocker for you to not pay me what fair market value is
0: Right, for the work I'm doing. Because as we've discussed on this podcast a million times, you know, your salary is really a reflection of how much the employer values the performance, the role, the work that you're doing, how it contributes to the broader organizational mission. And whenever people try to throw it back on you as, oh, well, you're a little green to be asking for that much money.
1: It's not a values-based framework, right? Exactly what you said. This idea that people will harp on your desire to do good, they're not yeah. always going to use that to lift you up. It's kind of like they were capitalizing
0: on your willingness to martyr yourself or you were, they were capitalizing on your willingness to be of service, the servant leadership, which is a great thing. And there's nothing bad about that. But when people ask for more money or dare to be assertive, in a, which is a traditionally masculine stereotype, right? We think of being super assertive is still unconsciously linked or sometimes not so unconsciously linked to men and masculinity. Do you think that there was a guy who's ever been told I am personally insulted and your character is under fire because you've asked for more money? I mean, it it might've happened, but it just feels like once again, as women, we're being called selfish, Which is different than saying you did your math wrong. You've done the market research wrong. It's about your personal worth and how much that gets thrown back in your face. So what happens from there? How do you bounce back from that? Did you stay? Were you invested? Were you ready to
1: engage in the good work that you were doing there again? So it was at that point that I had the mental shift. I got to get out of here. But Emily, I would not have known that I needed to leave if I hadn't, been connected to the boss Up community.
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like the women you met at bootcamp, which happened well before you left your last nonprofit job, had already started to plant the seed, this idea that your skills in the nonprofit sector would be highly valued in a totally different industry that you'd
1: never considered before. Is that right? Exactly. So you know the saying that it takes three or more people to ask a woman to run for office, before she actually yeah. does it. yeah, That was 100% what was going on in my world. But what happened was people in my life who are in this interesting intersection of nonprofit and technology started mm-hmm. to come out of the woodworks and had mentioned to me that I really had the brain for this. I mean, not everyone can implement a system and migrate data from one to the other and train an entire team on how to do it. Yeah, so there you were
0: finding yourself already kind of occupying that intersection, but you're the non-profiteer, you're never going to join a company, right? You're never going to sell out. What ended up happening when the final straw that broke the camel's back kind of landed at the nonprofit?
1: So it was at a perfect time because a friend of mine who actually worked at the company Salesforce who I had met, he invited me to speak with him at the largest technology conference in the world that Salesforce puts on about my experience migrating this nonprofit from spreadsheets onto this tool. And I actually called him before this podcast just to ask, Mark, did you do this on purpose? Was this like your breadcrumbs for me to get me out of my head, like dig my head out of the sand? And he said, 100% yes. He said that he knew once I got to that conference and I started to look around and see what other opportunities there were in the technology sphere to do good in the same core values that had driven me on this career path to nonprofits, that those values existed in companies in the tech sphere. And a lot of the work that exists in that space is to support nonprofits. Right. And so when I gave that presentation, the room was standing room only at that point. Amazing. And what happened afterwards was a handful of companies just reached out to me about wanting to interview me to work for them. Wow. And you're the non-profiteer. You're never going to
0: sell out for a company. And now you've got job offers coming your way because of the very diverse skill set that you brought to the tech sector. And it's exactly the message that was coming out of my interviews mm-hmm. for the live Boston podcast we did in New York, which was all about women in STEM. And the main interview that I conducted on that episode was by a woman who studied art, like was an art teacher before she became a UX developer. So it's just an interesting reminder that the tech sector needs creative talent from a a diverse background and more so that maybe it is possible to do good and do well. Like, Did that shift your mindset from this martyrdom approach to, hey, what would it look like to take care of myself, to be compensated, to feel like I'm being taken care of by my employer, and to be able to have the opportunity to do work I believe in? So you have since transitioned into this consulting role, serving primarily nonprofit clients, right? Yes. So you're still able to have that impact-oriented work. I don't want you to necessarily say your pay, but like, how does it feel in terms of how has it impacted your life that you've been able to actually get compensated for the leadership skills that you bring to the table in a healthier way? You know what I mean? Like, tell us about the raise, girl. Give us the deets, like, give us some kind of insight and like... Were you able to make a big leap up and in, in pay in this process too?
1: Yeah, it was a big jump, but more importantly, it just gave me more flexibility in life. Yeah. And what that looked like was I could fly up to Boston where my family lives and spend more time with my mom. Yeah. Like I could take a week and go travel wherever in the country I wanted to and stay with friends along the way. And part of that came from the actual setup of my job that I am a remote worker and can now do this. But I wasn't at home on my budget spreadsheet frantically calculating how I was going to pay off my student loans, for example.
0: Yeah. I
1: think sometimes it helps,
0: especially for women who are trying to negotiate, to not just think of the $10,000, but to think, what is the impact that that added salary will have on my life? What does it mean to be able to pay off my student loans and be able to not freak out about overdraft fees along the way? What would it mean to be able to spend more time with the people I love, even if they live in a different city? You know, really getting clear on how it would feel to take care of yourself by busting your ass and navigating your way to a job that actually is going to take care of you in a, in a lot broader way. You know, I don't want the takeaway from this story to be, all right, nonprofits, everybody leave and go join, (laughs) go join big business. (laughs) But, you know, I wonder what is the lesson here for women listening to this who want to be able to do well and do good?
1: I think it comes down to a conversation that we have had at boot camp before where you are the product of the five people closest to you or the five people you spend the most time with. And here's the hard lesson that I learned. If you're surrounded by those five people who share your core values, you are going to feel fulfilled, right? That do good purpose is going to exist and give you life. Yeah. You know what you're reminding me of
0: too is recently here in Colorado, I've become much more active politically Because in my own story, which I see in yours, I experienced what it felt like to devote my full-time job to pursuing policy change. And it wasn't sustainable for me at that time. So I needed to find a way through my own entrepreneurial venture, which by the way, was like way harder than working on the Obama campaign. (laughs) Figuring out a way to create your own company is like not not a cakewalk. But After the past six years of really focusing on the private sector, I am being called sort of emotionally and spiritually back to the public sector right now. And now I'm experimenting with what would it feel like to pursue the values I really care about without quitting my day job, Mm
1: -hmm. without
0: having to go full-time into advocacy once again? Mm -hmm. What would it look like to actually have the sustainable career path that I have now, have the sustainable income that I have, and take whatever surplus of time, energy, or money that I have and devote that to what I care most about. And that's a totally different way of thinking about activism and advocacy than I was thinking about it 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I make no apologies for that. Because let me tell you, power and money can create just as much positive influence in the world. Yes, as yes, yes, yes. <laughs> knocking on doors 24 hours a day, as as going door to door, as phone banking for life. So I just want to see more women have that option and not default to martyring ourselves for the cause,
1: you know? Right. And challenging the institutions that raise people who are do-gooders to broaden that periscope through which you look at your career options.
0: And I want all women to know that you are worth the effort of advocating for yourself and your pay Mm -hmm. and finding a way, even if it means exploring industries you traditionally thought you were excluded from. Or you don't fit into. Or you don't fit into. Exactly. I think that's another takeaway from your story. Like you felt like you were an accidental administrator, right? An accidental technologist. But really, you're just as qualified as the rest of them. And in fact, they need your skills. Well, Emma... I feel like we just ran the gamut on your really incredible story, which I so appreciate you sharing authentically. And, you know, I feel like your story fits into one of the opening chapters of the book so well, because it illustrates how with a little bit of community and also a willingness to challenge our own assumptions Mm -hmm. of what it means to be feel worthy and what it means to be a good person and do well and do good. That you can in fact bring about a lot of significant change in your career in not that long a, a period of time, even though we've we've been pals for a while now. Right. <laughs> you know, that was only what, like less than four years ago that you came to boot camp. It's wild. Crazy. Any last comments or words or things you want to share?
1: Yes, two things. So the other lesson that I learned kind of looking back and how was yeah. I able to make this transition from nonprofiteer to technology consultant? One of the big takeaways, too, is I did not have to go and get another degree. I did not need to spend tens of thousands of dollars. You know, there was this really interesting opening in the technology sector where I only had to I had to study and get certifications. The cost to take a certification was $100. And wow. I paid $10 for an online course. So looking at like the ROI of this.
0: Girl, you're talking to Miss GA over here. I'm like obviously promoting General Assembly because I truly believe in them because I've seen people transition their careers into tech through GA and the costs are so much more nominal than and so much more reasonable than going to get another degree. I could not overstate that. I so agree with you.
1: Right. And if it's this misconception among women that we need to check all the check boxes on the qualification list on a job description, you know, throw that out the window.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've done exactly one podcast on whether or not you should, ever, you should consider going to grad school, which I'll drop in the show notes on this episode, but I'm not a big yes person when it comes to grad school. I'm too cheap. For the ROI to make any goddamn sense to me, unless you want a PhD, I always say, don't go masters. If you're going to go back, go all the way back <laughs> and be ready to be in academia for life. Right?
1: That's my husband yeah. right now trying to get a doctorate. I'm like, okay, yeah, you got this. I will never do don't... that. <laughs> May the force be with go you. Go all the way or not at all. <laughs> uh, the only other thing is, I want to give thanks and gratitude to the Boss Up community. Oh, this is not a plug for anyone listening. I mean, when you move into the adult world, it can feel very lonely. And to be able to find this community of women who have been there with me every single step of the way and challenge me to think outside the box and to put myself out there. I mean, that is because of your leadership, Emily. And You practice what you preach and it's for anyone out there who is feeling alone or not knowing what that next step is. Like this is such an incredibly true community that I, I wouldn't be where I am today without the crew, the squad of bossed up. (laughs) And I literally have the bossed up manifesto next to my desk. Every day, because it is those daily reminders that I know I have people in my corner, no matter what, which really makes a difference.
0: Emma, I adore you. Thank you for those kind words. And it's damn true, right? Like, I feel like the, the quality of this community, it's taken, a t- it's taken, we've taken our time in building it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to do it right. And I want to do right by people. And you need those kinds of people in your life we're going to keep it real. No bullshit in this squad, you know what I mean? Like there's no room for bullshit when we're all being real and vulnerable about where we are and where we want to go and allowing that distance to to inspire. I think it was Tracy Ellis Ross who said, "Trying to allow the distance between where I am and where I want to be to inspire me and not terrify me." And that distance is where Bostop hangs out. You know, that's where we all hang. And I so appreciate you for giving back to Bossed Up. You've come back to share your story at Bossed Up Bootcamp on occasion, which I so love. And for just being a friend and uh, for being willing to share your amazing story, both here on the podcast and in my forthcoming book, which if you would like to pre-order your copy of right now, you can and you should. Do it. <laughs> you will hear regret you won't regret it. You'll hear from dozens of other women just like Emma who have really beautiful, unique, and diverse stories to share about how they've applied the Boss Up Principles to their career and their life. Emma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week.
1: Hi, Emily. This is Blue. I'm calling
0: with my Boss Move. One of my favorite moments this year was I spent a day at my alma mater, coaching an incoming class team, a group of entering the MBA program. And there was a
1: day-long case competition. And my team won the competition for the day. And it was super awesome. And I was really proud. Thank you so
0: much for calling in, Boss. I am cheering you on. I am so proud of you. And I really appreciate the fact that you called in to share a little bit about your come-up story. You really never know who you're inspiring when you talk positively about yourself, boss. So if you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want me to unpack on this podcast next, give my podcast hotline a ring right now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And now I want to hear from you. What did you think about today's episode? What did you think about Emma's story? Do you struggle with the martyrdom mindset at all? If so, make sure to pre-order a copy of my book, Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together, which is now available for pre-order at bossedup.org book. And if you pre-order now, you'll get some pretty sweet perks, including a free full-size copy of that Bossed Up Manifesto, the poster that has inspired so many of us to be the boss of our own careers and lives, the one that Emma mentioned she has on her desk. So make sure to take advantage of those perks now and claim your pre-order perk at bossedup.org book. Thank you for listening as always. Keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we will lift as we climb. owning their voice overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossuporg slash speakup. That's bossedup.org slash speakup.